In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's one God, Amen. It's a fundamental principle in our human nature that it's impossible for a man to leave his heart behind. It's impossible for a man to leave his heart behind. Every man is bound to where his heart belongs. Right? Every man is bound to where his heart resides. And so, we have to ask ourselves, what is it that determines where our hearts belong? Because it's impossible for us to leave our heart behind. Like Where our heart belongs is where our thoughts, our mind, our emotions, all our passions are ultimately bound. Right? We can never leave our hearts behind because that's where our whole being resides. Right? So we have to ask ourselves, what is it that determines where our heart belongs? What we value, what we treasure, right, is where our hearts belong. And that's why Christ says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? What you treasure, what you value, what you prioritize is where your heart belongs. And it is impossible for a man to leave his heart behind. That's just a fundamental principle of our human nature. Right? Where your heart belongs is where your whole being resides. Right? If you remember whenever God wanted to take Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah, whenever his family was leaving, he made sure to tell them, don't look back. Right? Don't look back. So what happened with Lot's wife? She looked back. Why did she look back? Because her heart still belonged in Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? And we know what happens. She, she turned into a pillar of salt because she couldn't leave her heart behind. Right? What she valued, what she treasured was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? And so as soon as she walked away, her heart just kept tugging on her, pulling her back. Right? That's where her heart belonged. That's where her heart resided, in Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why Christ says, He who puts his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Right? Because whenever you make an effort to pursue Christ, you have to prioritize that as your ultimate value, and your heart will follow what you value, right? Where your treasure is, what you value, there your heart is also, okay? Now, Christ didn't say this the other way around. He didn't say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think it can work either way, right? Where your heart is, there is also your treasure, but... There's a reason why he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He didn't say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Why? Because I, I, I think Christ wanted to give us an objective measure of where our heart belongs. Right? A lot of times we say, like, yeah, my heart belongs here. Yeah, my heart belongs here. And we say, well, because I really feel this way. Right? Or this is what I care about. Right? But all of that is subjective. Your feelings, your emotions, what you like, your interests, that's subjective, that fluctuates. Under different circumstances, you might feel different ways, right? But where your treasure is, that's an objective reality. What you value, what you prioritize, that's objective, 
Right? So you want to determine where your heart belongs? Don't think subjectively, think objectively. Think about where your treasure resides, where your values reside, what you prioritize, what you think about, right? what you spend time doing, right? your, your passions, your interests, all of your thoughts that, that circulate in your mind. Think about that and that will give you an objective indication of what you value and what you treasure. And what you value, what you treasure, is where your heart ultimately resides. Okay? That is just a fundamental principle. And, and we would be fooling ourselves to say, you know, my heart's not really into this, but deep down inside I really value it and I really treasure it. Right? So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A lot of us value different things in life. Right? Some good, some bad, some in between. And some things can be good and bad at the same time. Right? Think about your job, for example. It's something that you value. That's not necessarily good or bad. It can be good if it is invested to glorify God and to build a family and to build a church. But if it consumes you, that's bad. Right? So think about all of the things that you value. Think about your bank account. Think about your hobbies and your interests. Think about your own image. Not necessarily the physical things, but the metaphysical things, right? The, the things that are not the obvious values that people talk about, like money and clothes and cars and houses. Not just that, but think about the other values in your life, like your reputation, like your own opinion and your perspective, like your image, like your appearance. Those are all things we value, right? And they can be good, right? Those are things that can potentially lead us to God whenever we invest in them the right way, right? But ultimately, what we value is God and His kingdom, nothing in this earth, right? Even if it's spiritual, right? Even if it's spiritual, God supersedes all of the spiritual values here. I'll give you a very simple example. The monks who lived in the desert early in the monastic life would always get attacked by thieves. One time, a monk came back to his cell after a service and he saw a thief robbing his cell. Right? And he was just taking some of his simple belongings, like a candle, like, you know, whatever. The monk doesn't have much in his cell. But as he came in, the thief saw him and just ran off with the few things that he stole. What did the monk do at this time? He realized that the thief didn't take everything. So he grabbed one of his books and he ran after him. He said, he forgot this, he forgot this. Even though this is spiritual, spiritual books, your Bible, whatever it may be. But to him, God is not bound by any physical possession here, even if it's spiritual, right? I'm bold enough to say even the physical structure of the church, right? We've been fundraising and praying and doing so much work to build this church, but what happens if, God forbid, this church burns down tomorrow? I know that sounds a little scary, but what happens? The church will probably grow, (laughs) 
right? Look at Egypt. Look at all of our ancestors. Nothing in this earth is eternal. Even the physical church, even our spiritual books, no matter what it is that you have, all the money in the world, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words by no means will pass away. Right? And that's why what we value, what we treasure, is God and His kingdom. Right? That is the only constant in our life. Right? Our job may come and go. Our house may come and go. Our health may come and go. Our image in the world may come and go. Right? Nothing is constant in this life. Life itself is not even constant because we know we have a limited time here. And ultimately, it's like a vapor. Right? Ultimately, that will fade away. That's why in Ecclesiastes, he says, all is vanity and a chasing after winds. That word vanity in Hebrew is hevel. It sounds very close to an Arabic word, hevel. Kullu <laughs> hevel. That's, that's what this world is. It's all vanity. I want you to think about this fundamental principle, this spiritual reality that life is all vanity. Every time you make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, or you boil some water, and you see the vapor that like, starts to come out of the cup, think about your life. See how the vapor just starts to rise? And in a split second, you don't see it anymore. It, that's our life in reality. Everything that we work for here, and, and trust me, we all work very hard. And we should. We should work, work hard for our education, for our family, for the improvement of the world. That's very important. But ultimately, that's only to add to the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom. God is our only constant. God is the only one that doesn't fluctuate. You know, whenever the priest goes around in a procession, he stops at the very back. And he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one hypothesis, we worship Him and glorify This is from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change, Lord. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I change. I fluctuate. I have different emotions. Hormones are always changing. I have different circumstances. People around me are always changing. The economy is always changing. The environment is always changing. Everything in life fluctuates and changes. Everything is fleeting and, and unreliable. You are the only constant, reliable reality in my life. And that's why my hope is in you and in you alone. You never change. I may be unfaithful, you're always faithful. I may break my promise, you will never break your promise. You can't deny yourself. Right? That's what the scripture says. God is true, He can't deny Himself. And that's why my hope is in Him and in Him alone. Right? That's why what I value is Christ. What I value is God and His kingdom. Right? That's where my treasure lies. That's where I want to ultimately invest. Right? And if I invest in that, then I know that's where my heart resides. 
right? If I want to really measure where my heart belongs, I have to look at my investments. I have to look at where I'm storing treasures, right? Where I am keeping all of my values and my priorities in life. In the liturgy, the priest says, lift up your hearts. Or in other cases, you'll see the, the priest may say, where are your hearts? What does the congregation respond saying? We have them with the Lord. Now, we always say this in a mechanical way, right? That's just a part of the liturgy. The priest says that, we say this, that's it, right? But we have to ask ourselves if, if we really pause to think about whether our hearts are really with the Lord. Right? Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Only you can answer that question. Right? But what will tell you whether they're with the Lord or not is whether all of your values, all of your treasures are in heaven. Right? If what you value now is heaven and eternal life and salvation and your relationship with God, then you can say, that's where my heart belongs. Right? But if I'm thinking about what I'm doing later, if I'm thinking about all of these issues and all of that and, and how much inflation is ruining our economy, I don't know, whatever it is that crosses people's minds, then I'll be fooling myself to respond to the priest and saying, we have them, like I'm just singing for no reason. Right? My, I'm just saying something with my lips, but deep down, that's not the reality. In the life of St. John the Short, there's a beautiful story, and I, I know I shared this with you before, when his disciple goes to ask him for the baskets that he would weave in order to give, to, to be sold, and to get some bread or food for the monastery. Right? And so the disciple went, knocked on his door, he said, Abba, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the baskets. Right? So... John comes, opens the door, and, and um, he says, yes, yes, let me go get them. He goes inside, you know, he was just praying, so he had to just kind of interrupt his prayer to look for the baskets. And meanwhile, the disciple is just standing at the door waiting. Like five minutes pass by, ten minutes pass by, and he realizes that he hasn't come back. <laughs> and then he knocks on the door again, and he says, Abba, the baskets, oh, yes, yes, yes. You know, his mind just drifted right back to the prayers where he was before the disciples came to, to the, interrupt him. And he's like, okay, let me go get, get the basket. So the second time he goes, the, the disciple waits another five, ten minutes, and Abba John is nowhere to be found. And then so the third time he knocks, and he says, you know, Abba, I'm here. He's like, what, what can I get you? He's like, the basket. <laughs> I told you two times already. He's like, listen, my son, clearly my mind just keeps drifting. Come inside and take whatever you need. <laughs> Kind of just gave up. Why? Because his heart belonged somewhere else. His time was immersed in prayers and in the scriptures, right? That's what he valued. That was his treasure. For St. John, he was investing, he was storing treasures in heaven by investing in his relationship with Christ, right? And because of that, nothing could tear his heart away from prayer. Even a service like this, the disciple couldn't separate St. John from his prayer because that's where his heart resided. His heart belonged in his prayer corner. 
right? And it's a fundamental principle of human nature that we could never, never, never leave our heart behind. Just remember that. No matter how hard you try, you can never leave your heart behind. Where your heart belongs is where you are bound for life. Right? And so think about where your heart belongs. Because where your heart belongs is where you are bound. St. Augustine says, To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek Him, the greatest adventure. To find Him, the greatest human achievement. One more time. To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek Him, the greatest adventure. To find Him, the greatest human achievement. This is what our spiritual life is all about. To pursue this divine romance. Right? To fall in love with God. Right? To go on this adventure. To invest and invest and invest. To pour our heart into our relationship with God. To the extent that we feel like this is just a romance. It's not a chore. Like a lot of times we invest in our work, the money that we, we need to build in order to support our family, in a way of like doing chores, right? And that's fine. A lot of times we just need to do the work. But that's not the way the spiritual life works. The spiritual life is a, a sort of romantic investment. You know whenever you're dating someone, right, and you just want to impress them, you're doing a lot of like sweet, cute little things, right? That's our relationship with God. Right? It's not like this chore. It's not tedious. It's not a burden. There's nothing tedious about love. Right? Even if it requires sacrifice, even if it's work, it's still pleasant. It's still joyful. We have to ask ourselves if God and His kingdom is what we value above all else. Is that where our heart resides? Remember throughout these last couple of months we've been praying and fundraising in order to purchase this new church. Right? Now we know that we closed escrow and by God's grace it all went well. But don't forget there was a very critical time during that process right? in which we didn't have the funds, in which we were very reluctant about proceeding. And I remember you know, the board is praying, everybody praying, and we would meet regularly like throughout that, that critical time period so that we can decide whether we're going to continue to move forward because we just didn't have the funds, right? We, we couldn't close escrow if we don't have the money. By God's grace, through all of your prayers and, and everyone's contributions, a beautiful event happened. Right? And I'm reluctant to share this because it's, it's a little personal um, to, to our church as a whole. But I think we can benefit from this. Someone called me and said, Abuna, how much are you short to close escrow? And I said, I don't know, about like $250,000, $300,000. And he said, don't worry about it. I'll cover it. So I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, okay, I told the board, and we're like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, when, where, how, whatever. It's like, you know, this person said, don't worry about it, we'll cover it. Um, so in due time, and God really tested us as we waited for, for this to come. But 
in due time, uh, I met with the person and we just wrote a check and he said, here you go. And I said, are you sure you can offer this much? I mean, th this is a lot of money. And like this person is not a millionaire, like just simple person. I was scratching my head like, <laughs> it's not like I'm reluctant to take it, I'll gladly take it. <laughs> but I'm like, are you sure? He says, Abuna, if, if you saw me two, three years ago, I couldn't even lend you five dollars. Like, what? Like, how are you giving me $250,000? <laughs> Ever since then, I've been investing whatever God gives me. What He gives me, I give it right back, and then He just gives me more. So I give that back to Him, He gives me even more. And I give that back to Him, He gives me even more. So now, this is what He's giving me, and I'm returning it back. It's His money. I was just blown away. So I walked away so convicted that like my mind was spinning. Right? And of course we, we see how God worked in that simple way. Right? Of course it was a very big offering. Right? But I don't want you to walk away with this story thinking that this is what it means to invest in the kingdom of God. That's not what it's all about. Right? Every offering is an investment. Every minute that we give to God in our prayers, in our readings, in our service, in just bearing with the, the insults and the tribulations that come our way. Right? Even about a couple of months ago, I received something that I will cherish forever. I have a quarter in my, back, my backpack, right? And this is probably more precious to me than that check that we received a few weeks ago. And this quarter was from a young child that came to me after we said we need to pray and fundraise and you know, work on spreading the word so that we can purchase this church. So the child came to me and he said, Abuna, here, this is for the new church. And I told him, this is what God is going to use to build our church. And I, I, I can't wait to like frame this quarter in, in the hallway somewhere, just as a token of what it means to invest in the church, in the service, to invest in, in the poor, to invest in the sick, to invest in our neighbors, even in our enemies, not just financially, but to give our time, to give our heart, to give our energy, to stand in prayer. Like today we prayed the liturgy of St. Cyril and we prayed so many litanies, it takes another 10 minutes and a lot of times we're thinking like, wow, this is a lot. <laughs> right? But I, I want to sacrifice more, I want to give more, I want to pray more, I want to offer more, I want to invest more. Because that's where my heart belongs. It belongs in heaven. So I want to just keep pouring as much as possible and continue to invest as much as possible into that. May God give us the grace to invest, especially during this, this beautiful season, this season of fasting and prayer, to pour out every ounce of energy, our prayers, our offerings, that we may inherit the eternal treasure, the heavenly kingdom, and to God is to all glory forever. Amen.